Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. It's back to the future as Scaife and Lowndes take the 500. Had a, a big critic with Tony Cochran at the start of the race. I thought we were idiots putting him in for the start. Winkup says it might be all over. I'm, I'm sort of uh, a bit overthinking about the championship. And we look at the co-drivers who put on their best show at an exciting start to the season of endurance. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Greg Lowndes and Mark Scaife rolled back the clock when they took out the Phillip Island 500 last weekend. For Lowndes, it was the second year in the row that he took the last lap board with the lead. But this year, he was mindful of getting to the chequered flag. They did come on to right at that last sort of couple of laps and said that, uh, you know, keep going reserve uh, on the, on the, obviously on the fuel system. And I wasn't sure how, because there was a bit of a nervousness sort of, you know, go to reserve. And I wasn't sure how close we were. And uh, in that last lap, I was just making sure that we got to the finish line. So obviously, thinking back 12 months ago, uh, getting robbed by the last lap was, uh, was not too nice and making sure we didn't do it again. Scaife now has two 500 wins in three years and was nervous as ever as he waited for Craig to complete the final laps. Um, I was uh, more nervous than I've you know, probably ever been. I remember um, you know, there's been times through, through you know, with Garth Tanner and stuff where you, you know, in those last couple of laps you're just not sure what's going to happen. And, and uh, when Craig was battling with Jamie and then when Jason Richards and Mark Winterbottom were coming at us a bit, um, it was one of those ones where, you know, you, you have the ultimate faith in, in uh, Lounsey being able to do the job. Mark Winterbottom and Lukey Yuldon were both elated to be on the podium. Never had a car here before that could go the distance the way mine did then, but um, obviously the, the guys in the 888 car were, were very quick. They passed me and, um, and pulled away. So, um, yeah, not quick enough, but, you know, we're second. It's not... Um, it's not a bad result, and, and we've got some good bits coming on board for Bathurst. Well, it's awesome, obviously, to be paired up with Mark. Uh, we probably normally wouldn't get the opportunity if those rules hadn't have changed. But, uh, you know, we had, we had pretty good pace with Dean Canto last year as well. We sort of finished seventh as well. But obviously, you know, you're not in the car as much, and you need to pair up with a, with a level one driver. And uh, it's a good opportunity this year that, like I said, we otherwise wouldn't have had. So really happy with that. The comeback of the year must have gone to Jason Richards and Andrew Jones. The two have had a tough three races at Phillip Island for the 500s. But this year, their agony of lap eight was mixed with the ecstasy of taking a third place finish. Just, uh, man, I was just committed, like uh, 100%, making massive moves, dives around the outside of the hay shed. I really didn't care. And it got ourselves back in the race. And um, and then I've popped out on the last stop. And uh, the, two eight, the two triple eight cars are only sort of, what, 100 metres in front of me. And they said, you're P3. It's just, wow, that's impressive. We had actually spoken about it, mate, coming into this round. JR, um, our strategy going into the race was that I would start. And, 
any time with Jace's raced here and uh, his co-driver has started. He hasn't actually done a lap in the race. So we weren't sure whether that was a good way to go for us, but um, it worked today. And yeah, like you said, we had a mishap last year with the BOC car with Cam and then with me the year before. So this is a great way to turn that around at this circuit. With co-drivers featuring so prominently in the 500, with many demonstrating that they were worthy of being main game drivers, Dean Cantos start set the Bottolo car up for a good day. Yeah, got a clean start and uh, really got the launch. I don't think you could ever get a better start in a supercar than that. Um, pressed on through turn one, um, got into turn two and Courtney dropped the wheel off and gained on that and then we just sort of pulled away and um, had a bit of a dice with Scafey and, and Kelly and it was, it was good fun, you know, it was actually a, a race I enjoyed. And Jack Perkins was as solid as ever in the Wilson Security Racing Falcon. I mean, to finish fifth at Phillip Island, I mean, it's a tremendous effort for not just myself but for Tim, the team, everyone did a fantastic job, just ultimately we didn't make a single mistake all day. On the other side of the coin, James Moffat had a weekend he would rather forget. Couldn't get much much worse this weekend. I've uh, not let, you know, not uh, done my my job. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, pretty disappointing. Um, Craig Wilson from HRT was circumspect about his team's disappointing result. Playing catch up all weekend. Yeah, and then got caught out a little bit with you know some like like happened. Some lucked in with safety cars as well. You know, fueling strategies and so forth we we couldn't take advantage of that but we were not in it all weekend so um yeah it's 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 confirmed a few things that we were um aware of if that's a positive you know but we go to Bathurst a lot more um positive uh, upbeat you know knowing we've got a package that is pretty good there. Fabian Coulthard told the V8 Insiders that he's struggling this year at Bundy Red Racing. We had a good car you know on Friday and you know for whatever reason um, it hasn't, you know, related in the races, but you know, it's not through not trying. It's just been one of those weekends where we don't really have the answers. So the championship now, it sees the hunt with James Courtney extending his lead, but was unable to fully capitalise on the problems that befell Jamie Winkup and Steve Owen. Yeah, I guess it's not really the way we want to get the, you know, gain points on him, but it's, uh, you know, in the end you take it when you can. And, and uh, you know, today we had quite a few dramas, uh, we lost where we were in the fuel strategy, so the boys weren't too sure on how much fuel to put in, so we lost quite a bit of time in the pits. Today, the car, yeah, really wasn't there for us, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. At the other end of pit lane, Triple H's Jamie Wing Cup was dour on his thoughts of the championship fight. Well, we've had four genuine mechanical failures this year, which is, which is a lot. Considering my 08 and 09 championships, we had, we had one each the last race of the year, so... And that's when it was already wrapped up. So, yeah, four in one year. Yeah, we probably, you know, that's, that's, um, if you, if you start the year and say we're going to have four DNFs, then you pretty much write the year off. So, that's the position we're in at the moment. So, Courtney leads Wing Cup by 189 points. Courtney on 2,101 points. Jamie Wing Cup on 1,922 points. Mark Winterbottom is third on 1,862. Craig Lowndes on 1,739. Shane Van Gisbergen on 1,689. Garth Tander is in sixth place on 1,680. Then it's Rick Kelly, Lee Holsworth, Michael Caruso, and Jason Richards. Rounding out the top 10. We'll take a break on the V8 Insiders. There's plenty more news coming up right after this. 
take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. As the news continues on the V8 Insiders, well, there was also a lot of talk at Phillip Island about the discussion coming up this week when the board meets on the 2011 calendar. Tim Edwards from FPR telling the V8 Insiders there's plenty to think about. Uh, we've got a board meeting on, so if I take Team hat off and put board hat back on we've got a board meeting on thursday and i'm sure i'll be uh, i'm sure there'll be significant debate about the calendar on thursday <laughs> i'm sure they'll also be talking about the car of the future which in the current round of tenders i have closed craig wilson from hdr tim edwards from fpr and charlie swerkholt from jim beam racing are waiting to see exactly what it means to the teams as the decisions being made could be the difference between buying parts and components or manufacturing them in-house. Uh, e- easier to easier to build um, is one of the things we yet to, we yet to see that. That's one of the things the prototypes is validating. So until that's happened, um, and maybe maybe um, a less frequency of change on some parts. So if that's the case, now some of those parts you buy in from third-party suppliers anyway. So that doesn't really have a direct impact on the team. Certainly not on the travelling team. You know. Um, if it's got an impact, it might be back at base or some of the workshop-based people, you know, depending on what those parts are. And, yep. you know, if it's something that, say, we make today that's going to be bought in from the third party, then, you know, we're not making it anymore. So that, that, that might have an impact. You know, they need to award the tenders because at that point they can say, well, yeah, that X component is going to cost X amount. Until we award the tenders, we don't know how much it's going to cost. Uh, and similarly, you know, there, there'll be certain parts of the car that, that you do build yourself or you've got the option to, to purchase from outside. Uh, until we understand more about it, we couldn't possibly make a call. And, you know, it'll be the end of the year or early next year before we can start to form up a, a full opinion of that. But, you know, there's still a reasonable percentage of the car that's FPR, so... You know, it'll still be a true FPR car. Well, as you know, the main reason for bringing the car of the future is other manufacturers to come in, and and uh, and and also reduce the costs of our current cars. So it's got to achieve those things. So I don't think we can achieve everything there, and um, we don't want to bring the other old cars back and all that sort of stuff. And we've also got to move our current cars down into the Fujitsu series. So it's a fine balance. So. The first thing that needs to happen is these two prototypes, which Vert Supercars are currently building. Eastern Creek will host the official practice day of 2011 as part of a season launch in Sydney. The track allowing teams to test on a neutral venue, particularly because Queensland Raceway will be resurfaced at the beginning of the year, which would not allow Queensland Raceway-based teams to test there before the Middle East trip. Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop is waiting to hear from Japan to see if additional soft tyres requested by V8 Supercars Australia can be ready for 2011 events at the early part of the season. got a proposal from V8 Supercars to say this is what 
you know, we'd like you to achieve. Can you do it? I've sent that information to Japan to try and fit it in with the production. It's an increase, of course, in tyres over what we've had for 2010. And so I'm basically waiting for the factory to come back with me to me at the moment with, um, you know, are they capable of doing it or not from the capacity point of view. They're in the process of checking with other categories around the world that they supply control tyres in large volumes to. Um, and to see how it can all fit in the production because it's a fairly substantial increase in the amount of tyres that we'd need um, for the 2011 season. So we're certainly working on it. Um, I'm trying to get back to V8 supercars as, as soon as I can. Korean officials were on hand at Phillip Island last week as they prepare for their official Formula 1 debut in a few weeks' time. Another of the rumours running around Phillip Island is that Stone Brothers Racing are unable to do a car for Marcus Ambrose at Sydney and the attention was firmly turned to FPR. Well, look, it all, it all sounds like a very plausible story and it all sounds very exciting. <laughs> you know, it, Look, it'd be great to see Marcus driving one of our cars, absolutely. You know, I'd personally love to be running him, um, as would a lot of our existing sponsors like to be supporting that, you know, or potentially even his new sponsors. But the reality is, you know, although it's possible, it's highly unlikely that that will ever happen because, well, certainly this year, you know, our focus at the moment is is 100% on on trying to win as many races as we can between now and the end of the year. Well, since it has to be a Ford, what did Charlie Swerkholt from Jim Beam Racing have to say about that idea? As far as the team itself going to, no, we've really got no plans for the rest of the year. We haven't got a car set up. We've got our spare shell and all that sort of stuff, but we certainly wouldn't be... Uh, jeopardising anything at the moment. We're concentrating on winning a championship at the moment, so that's that's what we're up to. So we're not looking at any wild cards, but... Wild cards in general have been a hot topic, so we asked, would the likes of a Peter Brock be worthy and meet that entrance criteria? Look, yeah, it's a tough one. Peter yeah. Brock, yeah, Peter Brock's a tough one, or a Dick Johnson, it's a pretty tough call. Um, certainly, look, Scaifey's running Enduros at the moment, so definitely not him. Uh, but... I look, probably not. I think we're looking for current superstars, and that the public would really want to see. But then again, yeah, the public always want to see these these uh, old timers, if you want to call them that. But but yeah, look, yeah, it's a tricky one because I don't want to devalue the wrecks and the devalue the sport or anything. I'm not saying these these retired people would we, but. I think we're looking for superstars, I really do. So I'd probably go for young superstars if we can. Twitting and Facebook is coming on the radar with V8 Supercars Australia. And whilst they're not going to do anything directly, they have warned all team officials and drivers that what they say on those sites can directly influence their careers. V8 Supercars are getting ready for the Armour Oil 600 up there at the Gold Coast. We caught up with Shane Howard and asked him about modifications to the track and how they were progressing. We've done some resurfacing. We've actually relieved, uh, relieved a couple of the medians on, uh, on entry to, uh, into uh, Term 1 um, to, to help with uh, a more defined braking area. In, you know, with a street circuit, yeah, there is an enormous amount of work goes into um, simulation, etc., um, which forms the design that defines the the, uh, the 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 braking areas, the turn-in points, the the lengths of runoffs, etc. So there's a whole science in, in in developing it and knowing that it's right and it's going to work um, before you get there. 
And if you're a Kelly Racing fan, mark down October 3. That's when the Kelly Racing Open Day combined with the launch of the car the Kellys will be driving to Bathurst. All the Kelly Racing drivers will be there and it's a good chance to say hello and goodbye as the Kellys prepare for their 2010 Bathurst campaign. We'll have more on that coming up in the next few weeks. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Chris Jewell and Tony Whitlock will be along. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from, uh, well, the voice of the V8 Supercars, of course, Chris Jewell. Thanks for joining us, Chris. G'day, Craig. How are you going? I'm very well, as is, I'm sure, Tony Whitlock from Race Facts. Good evening, Tony. Good evening to you. And, uh, of course, after an eventful Sandown 500, Phillip Island 500, some things are hard to change, it's uh, great to see the old firm, Tony, back in in the uh, top and spotlight uh, because uh, Scaife and Lowndes, who would have thought so many years after they were teamed together that they'd be back in a car doing what they love? was, of course, that it was uh, Craig this time who had the high ground in being the permanent member. Well, because uh, Scafie had uh, come in late while uh, joining Craig when Peter retired, Peter Brock retired, but uh, Scafie very quickly took high, uh, high ground and um, Craig uh, was felt like partnering him. Mm. It, it was interesting, wasn't it, Chris? The different dynamics in the Triple Eight pit garage all weekend. Craig were and and Scafey, Every time they jump out of the car, there was massive gestures going on. The hands were wriggling, the butt was wriggling, saying what the car was doing and how much fun they were having. And on the other side of the garage, you couldn't have got a a a, a bigger difference because Steve Owen and uh, Jamie Wincup were certainly very serious and right at the business end of. It all uh, all weekend. Yeah, you're right, and I guess uh, Steve Owen's personality is one of get on with the job and uh, don't worry about, about much else. But um, I thought Scaife did a fantastic job to support Lowndes. In fact, if you really dig beneath the uh, the surface on uh, on Saturday in his qualifying session, as opposed to the qualifying race, he was on target for fifth on the grid until he came across an errant Gulf Western car at uh, at turn number ten. So he, they would have been even better off, in fact, uh, had he have done that. And then, of course. When he went racing at Phillip Island, he did everything he needed to do without being overly spectacular. But I think where he'll grow another leg will certainly be at Bathurst, where variable conditions and just masses of experience will certainly put him in good stead. And there's nothing stopping uh, Scaife and Lowndes scoring another Bathurst win each for Team Vodafone. Tony, your thoughts as this pairing heads with all the confidence in the world up to the mountain? Certainly they, uh, they will go there, both of them being multi-winners at Bathurst. Um, I thought one of the most fantastic things, though, was the number of uh, young drivers, or not just young drivers, but co-drivers, who started the race. Now, admittedly, it's a very different race to Bathurst because there is only one stint mostly for the uh, second driver or co-driver. 
but the number of them who were given the responsibility to start and did fantastic jobs. I mean, it was very, it was less than a handful who uh, stood on their um, whatevers. But um, I thought it was great to see so many of the young drivers who uh, who did so well, you know, the Cantos and Yordans and particularly uh, Canto and, and Stevie Owen um, just did a tremendous job. Mm. And one of the great things about it was that it really proved that we have enough good driving talent in this country to keep the main guys in their cars because, for the most part, no lead driver lost anything by their co-driver jumping in there and doing their stint. Yeah, I think there were a couple that um, missed out slightly. I'd say Owen wasn't quite up to the speed that Rick needed. Probably the biggest one who was handicapped was uh, Bargs with uh, Glenn Seaton. Um, but Bathurst will be a very different ship for uh, for Glenn. Mm. Chris, your your thoughts on some of these young drivers and how they did? Oh, look, I think the format's something that um, we need to revisit more regularly. I think it's fantastic to give them a moment in the sun and, you know, gone are the days of the 10 or 11 super combinations. We've now got sort of 16 combinations that give each half of those 16 combinations a chance to shine behind the wheel of a very, very good car and with the support of very, very good teams. And the only thing I'd be changing would be eliminating the championship points allocation for the qualifying races. I think notional points of one for first and 31 for last and vice versa added together come up with a definitive grid would make more sense because I think Sunday's race, based on the race that it is and the peculiarities that exist within that race, it's worth 300 points to come home as the winner. Mm, Tony? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And and it is it really harkens back to the day to the good old days of Speedway, where you have a couple of heat races that sets the field for the feature race. Yep, absolutely. I think it's fine. So we, we have a notional grid on Saturday, and away we go. And and, and if they wanted to tweak it one other uh, little uh, degree, I'd love to see an all co-driver race as a qualifying race for positions, and all uh, primary driver race. I think that would be fantastic as well, because admittedly, it's good to see Steve Owen beat the uh, the fancied runners in his leg of qualifying in the race on Saturday but it would have been just as good to see all of the co-drivers in their own race just to see who really is doing the business in that group Tony? Yeah I've sort of changed my mind on that over the weekend um, in that I rather like that mix up and the fact that particularly at Phillip Island I mean there'll be far more of the uh, regular drivers will make the starter batters you know those things of fuel tanks and things like that and the, the way the batters track is and gearing and stuff that, It'll make it more difficult to get off the line, so there'll be more regulars that start the race. But I think it makes it interesting in, in mixing up slightly. Take away the points so that you're not actually uh, giving free points to anyone. And and I think uh, uh, leave it... There is the mix-up on these Saturday races. I've, I've got a theory for you before we go to uh, the break, and uh, that is... Perhaps we need to keep the smaller fuel tanks in, so therefore you have more pit stops and then the opportunity to do more driver changes is potentially there. Of course, a smaller fuel tank does mean a shorter fuel time, which might mean that a driver change can't be done in that time. I don't know the exact fuel time, so you'll have to excuse me there. But uh, well, It's 30, not, not 20. Yeah, okay. So, well, that 10 seconds would be critical in a driver change, but it gives the teams the option then that maybe we're going to risk a few extra seconds to swap in and out the drivers. Yeah, maybe to change the scenario of the driver having to complete no less than one-third distance. Maybe we make it 50-50. It's definitely, uh, there's plenty of tweaking you can do. We didn't have what we would think to be a stellar crowd for an endurance race there on the weekend. Um, 
I, I guess we could list all the factors, but the end result is the last couple of years, the Phillip Island 500 hasn't been a crowd success. Although we've seen in the previous two races, last lap or last segment passes, or in fact in all the races, we've seen the last segment of the race having a pass for the win. Yeah, look, I, I think there's a number of things involved in it. Certainly, you know, I mean, the time of year, football finals and all those sort of things, but there weren't any, any games on Sunday, so it wasn't up against that. Um, there's, there's, there's certainly been weather threats. And, that you know, Philip as we all know, when it's raining, is pretty bloody miserable with penguins flying past you. So um, I don't think that's sort of really an issue that's going to change. I mean, do we ever remember really large crowds at Phillip Island? No. Um, oh, a few so of the grand finals no. had really good crowds, Tony. Yeah, a few of the grand finals had really good crowds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's only been at the uh, the street races that we see the monster crowds. Mm. Chris? Um, and that is the ease of accessibility, the access to it, the tra- travelling. You don't have to sit in the car for hours. So you know, there's a whole bunch of different reasons. There's certainly it's a greater event to go to now as a member of the public. Mm. Chris, your thoughts? Look, I think that um, the only benefit of uh, if we'd been at Sandown as opposed to Phillip Island last weekend would have been the inclement weather might have allowed some people to come knowing that they could get under the grandstand cover. The problem was the outfield at Phillip Island was so bad. Um, we haven't had massive crowds at Sandown for a long, long time, so I don't think it makes a lot of difference. So to be quite honest, as an event, I think the Phillip Island venue lends itself to a much more exciting race than the Sandown venue does for those sorts of races. We'll be back with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Chris Jewell and Tony Whitlock are with me. And uh, guys, HRT had uh, what Craig Wilson uh, certainly was describing as a disappointing weekend. The best he could come up with, as as people heard in the news, was they found out, they confirmed what wasn't working with the team. And that's a long way to go from to get to success at Bathurst, isn't it? It's surprising how much should turn around from last year. I mean, they had two big high points, or three big high points last year. Of course, the two enduro wins, but also Will doing so well and being in contention right up to the end. This year, he's just fallen down a hole. You know, Garth's recovered. Garth had speed most of the year, but, you know, they just... uh, Inconsistency is just dreadful. Mm. And and it goes right through Walkinshaw performance because Fabian Coulthard's scratching his head, Chris. Yeah, look, I don't know how they can really get on top of the dramas they've got. They had the pair of wins at the Clipsville 500, and Fabian also had his best weekend there as far as speed's concerned. That was all the way back in March with the first race back on Australian soil. Yes, they can occasionally extract some speed over a qualifying lap or even up to two or three laps into any of the races, but I don't think I've seen them look as lost as they look at the moment and as non-threatening as they appear to be at the moment. I hope they can turn it around for Bathurst because we need that group of four cars in the mix and certainly the Davis and Tander cars specifically, Mm. but I just don't know how they're going to unlock the secret because they just don't look like they're anywhere near it at the moment. Mm. Tony? 
And one person that really surprised me at the end of the weekend, I went up and saw Dean Fiore, a uh, close-knit and close-bonded that team was. And his 12th or 13th place, I can't, I don't have the grid sheet in front of me now. 14th. 14th, sorry. He was so disappointed with that. And I said, mate, in the old days, that's like a 7th place finish when you pair up all the um, team drivers in front of you. That's, you know, 14th is a remarkable result. And he goes, no, we should have been 10th. And yeah. we were, you know, we. And he said, "I let a tenth place finish go," and he he wasn't blaming anyone else. He wasn't blaming the car. He was saying he thinks he just overdrove it in the excitement and actually backed up instead of going forward. But it it really did showcase even how good that team is, because they were in the top half of the field all day, or in the yeah. top ten for most of the day. Fully agree. Um, Dean's last five or six meetings have been exemplary, of course. He had that uh, single top ten qualifying spot back at Queensland Race, I think it was by memory, but he was running at a very, very worthwhile tenth place for a long time. And remember, of course, that he was the unfortunate victim of that lap one turn ten incident in the first qualifying race when uh, uh, I think it was Murphy clipped mm. the back of uh, the car of uh, Michael Caruso and that tipped Fiore into a spin. So collectively, I can understand his disappointment, but you're right, not so long ago... He would have been uh, grasping 14th and feeling like it has, uh, was, a, was a trophy race. Mm. Guys, it's time for Gas and Go here on this uh, edition of the V8 Insiders. Of course, it's in the white flag lap here. And Gas and Go is brought to you by the 4X Gold V8 Supercar Fan Survey. And, uh, well, we don't have fan survey questions this time, guys. I think I've asked everyone them enough. But we do have some Gas and Go questions starting now. Should V8 Supercars, Tony, look at opening a Hall of Fame and have some of the uh, famous cars and a proper place to put their Hall of Fame inductees into. This is sort of along the lines of the NASCAR sort of thing, which... Uh, even the AFL. A couple of hundred million building. Yes, that's right. But even the AFL Hall of Fame in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course they should. And, and more than likely it should be up based in their new offices in uh, Queensland. One of the other things they need to have is a library. Because obviously there's... And it's not, you know, when the people say to me, oh, but all the stats are available online, you need books that, you know... That's where history is kept in books, not online. Okay, Chris. Yeah, look, I think we should. I'm not sure about the uh, definitive location for it, uh, whether or not it could accompany something at Bathurst, but then Bathurst in its own right is a different race. But certainly think it would be fantastic to have it within the uh, the confines of an Australian budget to do so. Mm. Chris, can you see wild cards turning up at any races in the next two, three years? Yeah, I can, but I think what we need to do with the greatest respect to the wild cards that ran last weekend is I think we need to try and get some wild cards that are extensions of the current two, three and four car teams if possible. Ambrose was mooted last year to be doing it and then of course there was talk about him doing it again this year. Who knows, if Briscoe's not a Roger Penske employee in the next few weeks, he might find himself into an HRT car later in the year depending on how the the cards shuffle. But I can't see anything definite at this point, but I think eventually someone will crack the nut and have a quality driver in a quality car. Mm. Tony? 
Yeah, yeah, that, that'll happen. And mm. uh, yeah, as Chris said, it's not going to happen this year with Ambrose. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea on time. I mean, particularly when we look at Abu Dhabi, Bahrain, Singapore, the, you know, the, the chance that somebody can flip in for internationals. Mm. All right, then. Now, looking at the current criteria of the V8 Supercar wildcards, would Peter Brock have been given one if he was uh, able to do so? Tony. Yeah, well, his last couple of starts were sort of uh, under uh, clouds because he kept on starting again and again and again. But I suppose if he was still around, I mean, if he wanted to, I mean, um, yeah, p- quite possibly. Chris? Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head then, Tony. If he wanted to, I think he'd likely, um, at the point that uh, unfortunately he lost his life, I don't think he would have been in position to be particularly interested, to be quite honest. Mm. Well, will wild cards in a car of the future scenario actually be forced out in the uh, in the Bathurst and Phillip Island 500 races because the cost of uh, a team getting a car for two races will be too much? Uh, not sure. I, I've struggled with that one when I was reading through your questions sent earlier on, but, um, yeah, I, I'm really not sure about the whole car of the future scenario at the moment. It's still something that until I see it and touch it, I'm not going to buy into it. Tony? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, it would appear that they're going to be cheaper to make um, because it's sort of getting more to a hang-on panel sort of thing that it'd be easier to make as well as cheaper. Therefore, you could actually get to a situation where you could make make a car and you could almost see where some internationals, maybe, you know, something along the lines of in the days when um, the Bateses were around and, you know, Toyota would put them in a car sort of thing. That I don't know if there's anybody in the Toyota world today um, but, you know, there's that, that opportunity, possibly. Mm-hmm. All right. And finally, Tony, uh, with the uh, board meeting, one of the big discussion points will be the calendar for 2011. What do you think the biggest surprise is going to be? I'm assuming you haven't heard any leaks out of that boardroom. No. Well, I, I spoke to uh, Whitaker on Sunday and the calendar won't be released until Bathurst. So it's another four weeks away. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Singapore will be on it. Um, there won't be any real surprises. Barbagello back on, of course. Queensland will be off because um, they'll have uh, the, their uh, two meetings anyway in Queensland. No, I don't think there's any big surprises, but, um, you know, it's, a, it's a, another big fly away and the series getting further and further away for people like myself to uh, fund to go and cover. Mm. Chris? Well, I'll roll that question uh, into the previous one. I think Car of the Future with Hyundai and the Kia being likely manufacturers that could potentially support it wouldn't happen until we can race in Korea, and that might be just the place we head to at some point in the future. So we solve both of those problems. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting times ahead. Of course, everyone was going, oh, Korea, Korea, but uh, the Korea delegation was mainly out to meet with stewards more so than the uh, V8 supercar officials this trip anyway they uh, certainly wanted to meet some of the people that'll be looking after their event in a few weeks time that that's guess and go for another week here on the v8 insiders and in fact we've come to an end of the show race faxes tony whitlock it's great to have you back on the show thanks Craig. much appreciate and of course the voice of the v8 supercars is chris jewell it's a pleasure to have you on yeah, brilliant, Craig. Thanks very much. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders as the Checker Plague waves over another edition. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.